everyone, and welcome back to Agents of Damned, our Let's Play D&D podcast featuring myself, your sometimes benevolent, often malevolent dungeon master, Jordan Roman. And as always, I am joined by my fellow players. Hi guys, I'm Katie and I play Seath. Hey everyone, I'm Christina and I play Winterra. And I'm Drew McLean, and by Bahamut's beautiful beach house in the Bahamas, I play the good Dr. Arlo Aegon. Guys, you are two for two as far as missions complete. Woo! Yay! Silvery Yay. Moon is saved from the wrath of those evil, evil Sneeple, and all that remains is to, you know, like, properly arrest everyone, make sure no one died, and to see who becomes the next mayor, blah, blah, blah. How about a recap? Okay. Yeah. But not just any recap. You guys have completed a whole mission. I think we need an arc recap. Ooh! <gasps> Jordan, no! It's too, it's too powerful. It must be done. The power shall be harnessed. Previously on Agents of Damned. The Agents and Second Chance were dispatched to the town of Silvery Moon. Their mission? To ensure the legitimacy of the ongoing mayoral election and verify the intentions of the most recent candidate, a beholder named Granifor. Upon arriving, the teams were shocked to find the town had a notable Yuan-T population, something that was not noted or even common with the town's history. After formulating a plan, the two teams split up into groups of two to speak with each candidate individually. Arlo and Raylan spoke with Nyavra Yeldren, the apprentice to the former mayor, who made her opinions of the visiting Yuan-T and Granifor well-known. Terra and Forngol spoke with Sibo Leafry, an energetic gnome that seemed more interested in his inventions and experimentation than he did the election itself. Finally, Saith and Seven spoke with Granifor and his aide, Sasava. During the conversation, Saith witnessed Sasava using a strange charm to calm Granifor before he flew into a wild rage. Continuing their investigation, the agents ran into Ash while dining at Big Betty's. Ash gave the agents a warning to stay out of his way, lest he be less hospitable. The following day, Second Chance spoke with Granifor once again while the agents traveled to the Midnight Woods to meet up with Intera's family. After a heartwarming, though concerning, reunion, the agents learned that a week after the Yuan-Ti's arrival, the citizens of the town became oddly complacent. The agents then realized that Niavra would likely be immune to any form of charm spell, given her elven heritage. Upon rendezvousing with Second Chance, the agents learned of a secret meeting Sasava was making that night. So, after speaking with Niavra and gaining her trust, the agents and Second Chance followed Sasava to his secret meeting. There, they learned that Sasava, along with his sister, Avasis, were scheming with Ash to steal back an artifact held within the town's grand archives known as the Fang of Mershulk. However, Ash discovered our heroes and revealed himself to be a dragon. Barely escaping with their lives, the agents and Second Chance made their way back to town to confront and arrest Sasaba. However, Seven began acting hostile towards everyone and was quickly detained. Learning from a local Yuan-Ti named Nelg that Seven had fallen prone to a deadly toxin called Brood Poisoning, 
the agents and two-thirds of Second Chance traveled to the Midnight Woods to enter the Fey Wild in the hopes of finding a cure. There, when Terra came face to face with her grandmother, Attilo Dark Knight. Using her connections to the Summer Court, when Terra made a deal with Titania, the ruler of said Summer Court. With Cure in hand, the Agents and Second Chance returned to the Material Plane and cured Seven of his affliction. However, two days had passed during their brief visit to the Land of the Fairy Folk. The teams quickly made their way back to town. However, the Agents spotted Sasava making his way deep into the Midnight Woods, and split off from Second Chance to detain him. Though the fight was brief, the Agents learned that Sasava was only a distraction with Avasis being the true threat. After making it back to town in record time, the agents found Second Chance successfully detaining Granivore and calming him from his rage. At that moment, Sasava broke free and was quickly defeated once again by Ryan, who showed up seemingly out of nowhere to provide the teams with backup. However, Ryan and the team she brought with her, Divine Shield, were brainwashed by Avasis, as the Agents and Second Chance attempted to fend off their allies, Arlo realized that fighting them head-on would be futile. After summoning a Spectral Six-String, Arlo committed the rest of his energy to restraining Ryan, leaving the rest of the fight to his trusted comrades. During the fight, Wintero was shown a vision of a boy named Oliver, who accused her of letting him die. After the illusion faded, Wintera noticed that Avasis was using the Fang of Mershulk as a key to a device that she was using to control Ryan and Divine Shield. Saith then leapt into action and stole the Fang from the device, freeing their comrades from Avasis' control. In a blinding burst of speed, Ryan tackled Avasis to the ground. By the authority invested in me by the agency known as Damned, you are under arrest! And so, we resume our tale. Avasis has been successfully detained by your harrowing leader. Currently, only Harvum of the Divine Shield team is still conscious with Hope and Vyth, both very much um, unconscious. Most of y'all are looking a little worse for wear, and some of the town's residents that were there are starting to regain consciousness after being healed, including the aforementioned Niavra, Sibo, and Granifor. What do you guys do? I walk up to, to Ryan, and I go, uh, Miss Ryan? Yes? You punch so damn hard. Of course I do. I have almost died several times. That was the worst thing I have that has ever happened. That hurt so that hurt so bad. Ryan looks you dead in the eyes while still holding Avasis to the ground and says, "Do you honestly think they put me in charge of Damned because of my bureaucratic skills and paperwork?" N not yes. I thought it was your intimidating personality. Let's just go with all of the above on this one. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and you said that pretty much all of Divine Shield is kind of down, right? With the exception of Harvum, and he is currently attending to them, uh, he is a paladin, so he is kind of resing them back up to normal. Okay. So you don't have to worry about that. 
Okay. What about the candidates? You said those were still down or no? Uh, no, because you guys... I forget who, but one of you guys used Mass Cure Wounds. It was either one of you guys or maybe Ryan... Or Rylan... Raylan names. Mm-hmm. They're back up. It's just similar to, if you guys remember from Neverwinter, how Milo was healed but still was unconscious because he was exhausted. It was the same mm-hmm. thing with them. They're just regaining consciousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anyone else? So we currently have uh, female Sneeple in, in custody. We have male Sneeple still in custody. We don't see anyone else that needs to be in custody right now, do we? Uh, no. Okay. Yes, there's a group of UNT approaching. Roll initiative once again. That would be so awful. <laughs> I meant, I'm more meant we don't see someone like a, a blonde-haired, shadowy figure somewhere lurking in the background. I just wanted to make sure that wasn't happening. Oh, you um, mean in broad daylight, which you've already determined he can't do? I said shadowy figure lurking in the dark. Like, he could have been hiding in a shadow. We don't know what's going on. Fair um, enough. So... What about the Beholder? Is he is he still consciously unconscious? Uh, no. All three of the candidates have sort of regained consciousness. From what you can tell of Granifor specifically, he appears to be calm. Like, he's not about to fly into a rage. Okay. Someone should probably go and, like, check up on Granifor and see how he's feeling. And he seems to like you. Yep. Faith approaches. Hello, my friend! Are you alright? Ugh. <sighs> Uh, I've... I've been better. Oh, my aching... everything. Where's the Sava? Unfortunately, we had to place him under arrest. But why? My dear Granifor, please forgive me for delivering such news to you. But unfortunately... It seems that Sasaba was using you in order to win the election for himself and gain the trust of the people so that he could use them as a sacrifice. What? No, that's that's ridiculous. Sasaba's a good good person. <laughs> he he helped me. He he helped me back back to help. Why would why would he and you see this sudden look of realization sweep over Granifor, followed by overwhelming sorrow. He never... He never really cared, did he? He used me. He used me. <laughs> uh, fair reminder, y'all have your own charm. May not be a bad idea to bust that out. Yeah! Do I, I check it at safe? <laughs> yep. <laughs> we'll say you magically have it for whatever reason. I didn't <laughs> check to see who had it. For, for simplicity, you say you have it. I don't know. I like the visual of like he starts freaking out, and it's like from the background, it's like, oh, Ollie oop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, we got an Ollie oop situation. All right, so Arlo, Ollie oops the charm to you, and you use it to bring him back to his sanity. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he used me. He was all for nothing. He... He never believed. Granifor, I need you to look at me. He looks at you with every single one of his eyes, each one more <laughs> tearful than the last. 
She pulls down, like, her mask and gets to a comfortable height so that she's looking him in the eye, in one of the eyes, in his most convenient eye. (laughs) (laughs) You look at the third stock from the left. You don't need him. If anything, you've shown the people who you truly are. And what's more is you've shown them that people like you and me, that we can exist in society and be the kind of people that they would never expect us to be. Roll persuasion with advantage. 29. So, safe as you are giving this heartfelt... Um, like, just laying everything out for Granifor, you feel a hand on your shoulder. As you look up, you see Niavra, of all people. And she says, She's right, you know, Granifor. In truth, I think you actually can make a difference. I wasn't willing to believe it at first, but... I think I can see now, by looking in your eyes... Eyes. Uh, I can tell by looking at you. You do mean well. And regardless of how this election may go, I think I speak for myself and Sibo. She looks over at Sibo, who is the slowest of them to get up, and he just kind of like gives a thumbs up from the distance. <laughs> That's. <laughs> we can work towards your goal within our own as well. And Granifor begins to smile a little bit. (sighs) You really mean that? And Niavra nods. Granifor then looks back at you, Saith, and says, Honestly, I really don't even know why you wear that mask. You shouldn't hide who you really are. Thank you, my friend. And thank you! Niavra then speaks up and says, Well, uh, I suppose we should have to postpone the remainder of our little debate. After all, despite all of this, we still have an election going on. And I think the three of us all deserve a fair chance. And Sibo, finally having managed to get up off of his ass waddles on over and, like, rests himself on Niavra's leg. Says, yes, I, I concur on that one. I, whew, definitely gonna need a breather on that one. It's so beautiful. <laughs> it really is. And they all lived happily ever after. So, is there anything else you guys want to do in this immediate moment, or... So, uh, I would like to go up to Ryan again and say, uh, uh, look, so I know we're, um, we're handling a situation here, but, um, actually, It's mostly um, cleaned up at this point, it's fine. Alright, um, but, uh, uh, I came across someone who I think could be, um, an excellent asset to our organization, and with your permission, I'd like to try to recruit them. I'm almost afraid to ask who... Uh, a man by the name of Nelg. The most trustworthy, sneeple, snursin I've ever met. 
hold on a second. So, but you have come over here while I am in the middle of arresting two different Sneeple to tell me is that there is a third person involved with this who you think we should recruit. Well, that's the thing. He wasn't involved with this at all. He was actually in the town before any of the other yon In fact, he's the reason that we were able to save Seven. She looks at you very concerned and says, What happened with Seven? Oh, yeah. That, that all happened, like, very quickly in, like, quick succession. Uh, we had, the last we had a- <laughs> time I talked to you, I told you to arrest Sasava after you told me Ash was a dragon. I've literally had no contact with you since then, and the last, I assume, 20 minutes or so, it feels, was a blur. Alright, so, super quick rundown. Uh, Seven was acting weird, and the reason he went off book was because he had brood poisoning, was gonna turn into a brood guard. Um, we only found that out because we took him to, um, Nail to kind of get his opinion, because he seemed to be the only, uh, Yuan T in town that wasn't involved in the whole plot. Uh, after we got that information from him, he said there could be some stuff going on in the Feywild. They found out that when Terra's family were actually secret guardians of the Feywild, but went into the Feywild, uh, met the, uh, queen of, I believe it was the, what, the Summer Court? When Terra, Summer Her Court. eyes go real wide when you say that one. <laughs> when Terra's, when Terra's walking over and kind of almost making herself as small as possible at the same time to kind of, like, go back up whatever the fuck is going on over here, and she just sheepishly kind of nods as far as a bear person can sheepishly nod. She's like, yeah, some of this information is new to me as well, but I can at the very least back up his claim that as much as I didn't trust Nelg from the beginning, he seems trustworthy now. And that's saying something because I really, really, really didn't like him at first. Okay, so, Wintera, as you come up and explain all this, as soon as you're done talking, Ryan comes up to you, places her hands on your shoulder, and says, Alright, I trust you on the whole Nelg thing. Please, for the love of gods, tell me that neither Arlo nor Seth did anything stupid in front of the leader of the Summer Court. Please, I beg of you, tell me this. No. Oh, thank gods! (laughs) Wait, was Fogel with you?! Yes, that's that's a fun story, too. Oh god, what did he do? It turns out he's related to the Feywild, too. Didn't know that. Wait, what? Safe walks up and goes, You mean Prince Thorngol. <laughs> <laughs> she drop Her arms, like, drop like there's just no feeling left in them. She has this look of just utter disbelief and shock on her face. Her jaw's basically on the ground at this point. All right, um... It has just occurred to me that this particular mission is going to involve a lot more paperwork than I had originally intended for it to, even with two teams. Um, I will speak with Nelg and see if he is a good fit for our organization. Um, in the meantime, I think it's best that we that, that, that we head back to base for, for now. And she kind of like absentmindedly starts walking off. When Tara says, actually, uh, ma'am, if if it's okay, I have a couple things I'd like to wrap up here first. I, I need to go talk with my family before before heading back. She stops and sort of, like, regains her composure, even if only momentarily. And she looks back at all of you, you and Second Chance, and says, You know, 
Considering everything I had just learned within the past 30 seconds, and considering that this was a mission well done and I do not immediately have any further work for you all, I think you all have afforded yourself a little time off, as it were. You all have your speaking stones. Simply speak with Odot when you are ready to return to base, and we will reconvene then. In the meantime, myself and Divine Shield will see to it that these two, Sneeple, are taken into custody and locked away for a very, very long time. And she kind of just, like, starts walking off very much limping. It only just now occurs to you guys that both her and Second Chance are walking very weakly, and you kind of realize that the charm spell obviously took a lot out of them, and they are fucking exhausted. Mm. Yeah, it makes sense. I'd imagine we're also, I mean, I think we're also, like, pretty well beat up. Yeah, probably. I mean, you did just fight one of the stronger teams with the agency, as well as its head director, who has been training you, so... yeah. Yeah, but I tell you guys, I, I think she might have actually, like, punched me back in time to the exact moment where she began the punch. <laughs> it's payback for what you did to us back at the temple! You know what? Fair. That's valid. One second. Oh god, are we about to get in trouble for the temple? <laughs> Hush, my child. Oh, God. You said you wouldn't do stuff like this. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> Ryan stops. Oh, God. Oh, no! And she turns around and says, I thought you said he didn't do anything stupid. Arlo fully sprints away. <laughs> She's going to use Step of the Wind and catch your ass. <laughs> Just like a fear in front of me, like, oh, hey, what's, what's going on? Hey, hey. What did you do? I didn't say he did anything stupid in the Feywild. Didn't say he didn't do anything stupid on this mission. Someone explain now. I, uh, I fell down some stairs. She leers at you and says, Do not lie to me. Remember that thing about honesty being the best policy? When Tara's bristling as she's walking back over to where they have just, like, ended up, and she looks Arlo dead in the eye, she's like, If you don't tell her, I will. Okay, so, let's say, hypothetically, that we had very suddenly found out that someone was a dragon, and they were chasing us in the... Yes, yes, Ash, I'm aware. Uh, they are chasing us in a very, um... Like, if I had to describe it, a, a, a video game boss cutscene-esque uh, chase through a temple where it seemed that uh, all hope was lost and that we were likely going to die if we didn't escape that dragon. I have no idea what a video game is, but go on. <laughs> um, well, we, uh... Well, let's say someone thought that in order to make sure that they're team could escape alive and save the town might have done a tiny bit of trying to sacrifice themselves for the greater good. Arlo, as you say that, 
you nervously look up at Ryan, fully expecting her to lay into you. Just full on, what were you thinking? That was so stupid. Blah, 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 blah. But that is not what happens. You look up, and Ryan is speechless. She has a look that can only be described as the most putrid combination of shock and fear. And she stares at you with this horrified look on her face. Just uninterrupted by anything. Look, if you're gonna hit me, just please just stay away from my nads. I need those. Uh, um. Um, no, of, of course not. I, I I would not... I wouldn't dream of such a thing. Um, well, um, you can certainly expect that we will have a conversation about that later. Um, as I said, you are all on uh, time off right now, so I will... I'll be returning to base for now. Just be sure to see me again once you... Once you all get back. And she very quickly walks off. Hmm. That was weird. So, uh, you and Second Chance are now in the town of Silvery Moon and technically still have a couple of days of quote-unquote mission time with which you can do kind of whatever y'all want. Before Winterra goes out to speak to her family, Arlo or Saith, is there anything you guys would like to do in the meantime? That's, that's just kind of, like, the main thing I can see happening, so I'd like to, like, you know, save the best for last, so if you guys have anything immediately you would like to do, we'll knock that out of the way, and then we'll finish strong with Winterra having one of the most awkward family convos ever. Let's go have the awkward family combo! Okay! Hold on, we- is anyone going with her? Well, I, I guess- I feel like we would probably ask, like, you know, like, uh, you know, Winterra, I know you, you've got some stuff you want to talk to your family about, do you- Want us there for moral support, or is this more of a Lone Ranger type scenario? You need to be alone. She is kind of staring off into space for a second and sighs, just imagining how all the different ways this conversation could go. Um, and and she looks at both of you, and she's like, "I don't know how this teamwork, friends." Thing should be going. This is new to me. Um, if you want to come, you can. I don't know how my family will react to this news. I might just talk to my mom without the rest of my family because this is a lot. Um, yeah, you guys are. You guys can come with me if you want, but I know it will be a lot, so you don't have to. Hey, come on, we're a team. We stick together. I just wanted to make sure we wouldn't be in your way. Yes. What he said. Also, speaking from experience, as difficult as the conversation would be with your entire family, it may just be nice for you to have their support as a whole. Yeah, as a whole. And she starts walking away. 
Alright, so the three of you make your way through the Midnight Woods. Uh, at this point, you guys have traversed it enough, and Ventera is familiar enough with it that you're able to get back to her place of residence without any form of conflict or anything like that. And unlike last time, Holly is actually the only one there. She's sort of just tending to a large piece of, like, boar and is basically, like, prepping it to be cooked. Delicious. Oh, it will be, I'm sure. <laughs> They've taken the knees aside as, like, a separate thing. For dessert. Yeah. Go on, you goddamn knees. <laughs> Holly overhears your commentary on knees and turns out, it's like, oh, hi, you're back very quickly. Did everything go Okay. When Tara kind of wipes her mouth because she realized it had started watering when she saw her mom cooking. And, and she regains her composure and realizes, like, the conversation she's about to have. And her demeanor just kind of goes from, like, immediately, like, hungry and ready to eat, like, mom's cooking to, oh god, I have to have this conversation. And she looks at her mom with just this look of pain and unsurety and he's like mom i don't know the, the the mission went good i i don't know if this is a conversation that would be best to have with dad around too but when we were in the fey wild we met someone you, um who did you meet in the there's a lot of people in the fey wild dear but What's wrong? I I can tell just by looking something is clearly bothering you. Just just tell me what it is. Mom, I met your mom. So y'all remember how I described Ryan's look? Eerily similar. Some serious deja vu happening right about now where she is looking shocked and a little bit horrified. But there's a slight difference with this one. There's less horror as opposed to the shock, and it's more... Aggressive disbelief. You, you met my... My mother? No, that that's impossible. She... She disappeared so long ago. And it looks like the gears are turning inside of her head as she's starting to connect the pieces. And her look becomes like a little bit more horrified with each passing second. Mm. That's why I said I don't know if we maybe want to get the others. Oh, no, your father absolutely needs to never hear about this, ever. They did not get along. That will only end poorly. <laughs> um, yeah, um, so time definitely works differently in the Feywild, because she looks pretty much like you right now. Really? That... Wow. Yeah, she thought I was you. She starts tearing up when she hears that. Um, it's... You don't even need to roll for this one, because it'd be impossible to tell no matter what. It's hard to tell whether it is sorrow or pride that's made her tear up. Probably a combination of the two. I... She kind of steals herself and then looks back up at you and says, Is she well? 
as far as I can tell, she's the advisor to uh, Titania, which is part of the reason she said she wished she could visit, but hasn't been able to. Her tears are no longer capable of being contained, and she just, they start streaming down her face. As when she, Tara goes in for a bear hug? <laughs> she meets you immediately, zero hesitation. <laughs> this is unbearably sweet. Oh my- And it's dead. I will never stop. <laughs> Next scene, this is ruined. There's no point in trying to till <laughs> this infertile ground. As you are consoling your mother, is there anything you would like to say to her? When Tara just hugs her tighter and and doesn't really really say anything because honestly, what are you supposed to say to your mom when you meet your grandma and tell your mom you met your grandma? This is this is just as shocking and processing for her as I'm sure it is for her mom. She just hugs her tighter. She matches how tightly you hug her. And you feel her tremble in your arms. You can tell this is a lot for her to deal with. Arlo and Saith, she looks up briefly at you guys, and you can kind of tell she's giving a sign of, give us a minute. Oh, hey, Saith, look at these uh, these trees over here. They're real interesting. We should go uh, check those out. Yes! No, I agree! As you guys go to, quote-unquote, explore the trees... Uh, you briefly look over, and you can see her mouth the words, thank you. Oh. She then pulls you away from her when Tara stole pulled, like, her arms on your shoulder and says, Tell me everything. And the scene pans out from there as the two share a heartfelt conversation about long-lost family now found. So as as we're panning out from from this scene, and I assume you know leaving Wintera's family um, and heading beginning to head out of the forest, Wintera stops everyone, and she says, "Before we go back to town, I want to show you guys something. You know, this is my forest; it's where I grew up. There's some really cool things here." And she starts walking like, through the forest of a path that, like, we haven't taken yet, that almost looks so foot-worn that there is a path there. But at times, there's obviously trees and stuff that have fallen, and, you know, almost, like, bushes that are, you know, almost hard to get through if you don't know how to climb a tree. And it eventually gets to the point where there's a sweet smell that starts wafting through the air, and a glen opens up, and there's purple flowers just hanging down from the trees everywhere. And when Tara smiles and looks back at you guys and says, this is my favorite spot in the entire forest. These are some of my favorite flowers. And it's just full of wisteria just everywhere. And you know, you can hear this, like, the bugs that are chirping in the background and you see like a butterfly float by. Um, as she's like examining the the purple flowers that are you know honestly started coating the ground as they're hanging from the trees 
she kind of looks back at you guys and smiles, and then she she climbs a tree for a second and pulls out one of the tiny knives that she carries with her and takes a clipping of one of the wisteria and wraps it in a little bit of moss on the ground and then pockets it to bring back with her. Yeah, I think just like um, in character, like Arlo, the character is just like in awe of how beautiful this glen is and like the majesty of nature. Um, out of character, I am using almost 100% of my concentration and bodily control to not sing just around the river bend from Pocahontas. I was <laughs> 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 like, like, like literally, it's like in, in my mind on a loop. It's like, don't do it, don't you do it, don't do it. Nope, not even a little bit. No. <laughs> Just around the river bend. He's hey, trying so hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh Christ! Uh, that was really beautiful. Thank you. So, is there anything else, aside from that? As you guys make your way back to town, do you guys want to stay in town to do anything else, or do you want to he- go ahead and head back to base? Do we need to stick around for the elections? Do you want to? Eh, I don't live here. <laughs> yeah. Same. <laughs> what? What? What if, you, like, if you went to, if you went on a vacation to Japan, and then like you were like about to end your vacation, and they're like, "Wait, we're reelecting the prime minister." You would be like, "I don't live here. That doesn't affect me." <laughs> <laughs> you literally came here because of this thing, though. <laughs> yeah, and now it's over. <laughs> we're going home. My actual fucking face. <laughs> Alright. So, you guys head back over to the teleportation circle where you had originally come here from. Uh, you don't see Second Chance. Presumably, they have already gone back. Like, good little NPCs. <laughs> and so... You guys contact Odart and are teleported back to base. As you arrive back on base, you are greeted by the aforementioned happy little boy that mans the teleportation circle dispatch area thing. Oh, hey, welcome back, guys. I was wondering what was taking you so long after Second Chance came back. Everything go alright? Yes, quite. We just had a few loose ends to tie up. That was the mission. They wouldn't say anything because they said they were unconscious or something like that. I don't know. They probably... Yeah, they... That, that's <laughs> Um, quick rundown. Ash is a dragon. Forngle's a fae prince. Uh, when Terra's grandmother is alive and living in the Feywild. And, um... Uh, it, it's been a weird day. Also, I made a new friend. His name is Nailg. His eyes go super wide and he says, This has opened up a whole new world of possibility for my fanfics. Excuse I'm me? sorry, you're what? Don't worry about it. Anyway, the boss said she wanted to see you. You guys might want to go ahead and head on over there now. Yeah. I don't know whether to be more afraid of the fact that he writes fanfics or that she wants to see us. He floats in real close and says, The less questions you ask, the better. Oh, no! No! Oh, anyway, God, off no. you go! Go on! Have your debriefing with the boss lady! 
Alright, so y'all head on over to Ryan's office. As you enter, Second Chance is already there. Uh, Ryan specifically, she looks up at you guys, but Arlo, you notice she's very specifically avoiding eye contact with you. Ew. Thank you for coming back. Please, have, have a seat. So, I figured now is as good a time to fill in any blanks that I may not have previously been aware of. Obviously, you have all had quite an adventurous mission there. So, there are some things we obviously need to discuss a little bit more urgently than others. Specifically, the dealings with, with Ash. I, I need you to be as specific as you can about how that encounter went down. See if we can figure out anything about him. Knowing that we had a dangerous magic user about causing trouble was one thing. Knowing that said magic user is actually a dragon that does the bidding of the chaotic goddess of misfortune is another. This changes everything about how our operation has worked, and we need every bit of information that we can. Second chances told me they were largely either unconscious or absent during that particular encounter, so you three are my only real reliable source of information on this one. A again, the, the encounter specifically, was, was there any sort of weakness you gleaned from him? Anything at all that could be helpful? Sunlight. He seems most active at night, even back in Neverwinter. That was when he met with that girl, Elema, was at night in an alleyway. He He's never around during the day. That is certainly something we could use to our advantage. However, if what Arlo, and you guys notice she only motions towards Arlo. Again, she does not look at Arlo when she says this. <coughs> Mentioned during your last contact with me, it is likely that he might either be some form of undead or even shadow dragon, which, if that is the case, only makes things worse, though would potentially explain his more nocturnal tendencies. I will be sure to have Bookworm look into this, see if she can find anything that might be prevalent on that. Knowing that he is inactive during the day and seems to be weak to sunlight is certainly helpful. Is there anything else you think might be of relevant information? Something you think I might need to know? When Tara kind of does that Arlo thing by raising her hand, and she says, um, not necessarily relevant to the dragon. Um, in order to save Seven, I may have made an agreement with Tatiana. Her eyes bulge out of her skull. And she says, what did you do? When Tara puts both her hands up in a woe motion, she says, okay, to explain a little bit further, um, turns out my grandmother has been living in the Feywild and that she is Tatiana's advisor. And that's why apparently she went missing when my mother was young. Uh, apparently they have been looking for someone to, I guess, uh, help bridge the 
relationship, I guess is the best way to explain it, between the Feywild and their world, and my family already kind of helps to guard one of the portals to the Feywild uh, in the forest. Um, and so that was basically the agreement in order to get the medicine to help save Seven. What was the exact agreement that you made? We, um, we agreed to basically be the bridge between each world to be allies in case one side ever needs the other. So, you know, in case the Feywild ever needs us, I guess specifically us, and she gestures at the three three of them, um, or if the, we need the Feywild. Ryan leans back in her chair and ponders for a second. Says, this might actually be something we could use to our advantage. The Feywild is certainly filled with powerful beings. Being able to call upon them at a moment's notice is certainly helpful, and... If we can pass together the specific and finer details of this agreement that you made, it is something that may end up being beneficial overall. I suppose I will have to assign book work that as well. Winter, I hope you don't mind. I will likely have you assist her with that, given that you are apparently the mediator of this particular agreement. That's fair. Right. Is there anything else you feel I immediately need to know that will not be written about in your paperwork? I think we're, I think we're all caught up. Alright, uh, so then she looks at all of you and says, Alright, you are all dismissed. And as you all start to head out, she says, Wait! Arlo, safe. You two are not. Somehow I felt like I knew this was, that this was coming. Not for the reason you might be thinking. The rest of you are free to go. Arlo, you are to head down to the armory and speak with Ayla about the aforementioned workplace sensitivity training I mentioned. Oh man. You do well to listen to him on this one. Alright. Safe. you and I need to have a private conversation. So, as everyone leaves to do what they will, except for Arlo, who leaves to speak with ALR about how to speak with the higher-ups and not earn their ire, Saith, you stay behind to speak with Ryan. As the door closes, she stands up from her desk and walks around to be more facing you. Says, Now... It has come to my attention that there is a little issue within your group that needs my attention. Now, normally, I do not involve myself with the personal going-ons of my operatives if it does not directly conflict with your work, then there is no need for me to be involved. However, there is 
such an instance in your case that I need to ascertain the true intentions of. And she walks closer to you, to the point where she is basically standing in front of you. You are still sitting. And she leans forward and says, Where did you get the cat? Oh, God! Almighty, I, honest to God! Oh, boy, you are scary! You are a very intimidating person! It's part of why I got the job. Answer the question. It's kind of a long story, but... I have time. Honesty is... Honesty is the best policy. Um... I have... Quite a sensitive childhood. Uh... My parents were sacrificed to Asmodeus. And, um... My grandparents died shortly thereafter. And... Being that they were the ones who stole the lives of my parents, they were never granted the boons that they were owed, and thus they were passed on to me. That is what Modi is. Modi is the boons that were offered to my grandparents. So I have inherited them. I, I don't imagine he is a permanent fixture. She leers at Modi. And then back to you and says, That answers all but two questions I have. Go on. First of all, why would you have inherited it if they simply died? I don't really want to go into that. I insist. I started bounty hunting from a very early age. It's kind of what makes me good at what I do. You know, killing people. I see. She turns her back towards you and starts walking back over to her desk. And then says, Alright, my second query. Why is there a gem missing on the creature's collar? I assume that has something to do with those boons you were owed that you mentioned. It's somewhat of a wish. I have no attachments to Asmodeus, nor do I plan on serving him further. But when I was in a time of trouble, and I thought I was truly going to lose my my teammates, I requested a boon to help in my favor. Roll persuasion. 36. Jesus fuck. She pauses for a moment and then turns back around towards you and says, Now, here is what you need to understand about your current situation. For someone to form a pact and become a warlock and not have it recorded in an official archive is considered an extremely heinous crime. Such things need to be regulated, and the Pact Maker needs to be documented so we can avoid things of this nature happening. Given your rather unusual circumstances, I'm willing to temporarily overlook this. However, 
You are going to need to register yourself as a warlock at this point. If you truly have, albeit only through inheritance, formed a pact with Asmodeus. Doubly so, considering that he rules the Nine Hells and is arguably, if not definitively, one of the most dangerous patrons to form a pact with. Secondly, I'm going to need to put you under a personal investigation, during which time you are forbidden from leaving the headquarters. It should not take terribly long, perhaps only a week or two, but you cannot involve yourself, Arlo, or Winterra in this. Whether or not they are privy to this knowledge yet is irrelevant. The fact that they are still too close to the situation to be able to give an unbiased opinion on this. I assume this will not be an issue for you. No. No, not at all. Good. Then head down to the archives and speak with Bookworm on this. She will get you officially registered. And if... I may offer some personal advice. I would tell them what they do not already know. If you're to be working as a member of the agents, you would do well to ensure that there are no secrets between you all. It's not a conversation I've held very often, and despite the fact that I constantly look as though I'm very happy, it's not a subject I prefer to talk about. However, you're correct. My teammates need to know about me, and how I became, well, who I am today. Exactly. As you have quoted so many times already, Honesty, honesty is the best policy? Is the best policy. Don't speak over me. <laughs> I want to go kind of like quickly through the individual things that you guys were do wanted to do in your downtime. However, because of the way events unfolded, there are some timeline discrepancies, which means y'all don't get to pick the order that we do these things in. Fair enough. So, first up is actually going to be Wintera, who is the only one who's not bogged down with some other thing that they now have to deal with. Cool. So... I assume this would be happening immediately after you were dismissed from Ryan's office mm -hmm. uh, as you make your way down to the archives. Yep. So as you make your way down there, you enter and sure enough, Bookworm is there as she usually is reading a book. Orlo is not presently there. He's presumably off in the meal hall doing his thing. So she is presently alone. Okay. So when Tara's ears perk up, the ones on the top of her head, not her regular ears, her bear ears perk up like an excited, curious, um, happy bear. And she almost um, bounds over to Bookworm. And she's like, Bookworm, I have a surprise for you. <laughs> she looks up startled as all hell. And if she could make a noise, she'd probably have yelped just oh, then. Oh God, she's so <laughs> cute. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I didn't mean to startle you. That's my bad. She kind of, like, puts up her hands and, like, motions them towards you like she's saying, it's okay, it's okay. Um, so, she says, you know, 
I'm sure that the library is, um, you know, really cool as it is and stuff. And honestly, this conversation's not going the way I wanted to start it off um, here. And she pulls out the piece of the clipping of Wisteria that she had pulled from the forest and she kind of hands it to her. And she says, this is from my forest. It's my favorite flower. Um, and I thought maybe it would help to liven up the library. Not it, like the library is not lively as it is because these books are really cool. Um, I feel bad about taking up so much of your time looking up things. And so I wanted to bring you a present. As you say all this and hand her the flowers, so she turns bright red as she buries her face in the book. And you can, like, briefly see from behind the book, the top of her head, that she is nodding. Like, she's saying, yeah, okay. <laughs> when Tara continues, she says, you would probably want to plant this soon. You know, the moss will offer, offer enough moisture to keep it alive. And it's a clipping, so, you know... It'll it'll sprout really quickly, and it should flower relatively easy, unlike seeds would. Um, and it's really cool, and she whispers this part. If you ever have to poison someone, just feed some of it to them. And it might either give them an upset stomach, like my brother learned, or it might kill them. <laughs> Christ. As you say that first part... She pulls away from the book and looks at you very seriously, like she's very much interested in everything you're saying. But then looks horrified as you whisper to her. <laughs> when Tara says, not like I've ever had to do that. My mom just told me all of the information about this flower because she wanted to make sure that myself or my brother didn't get hurt. Um, past what my brother learned the hard way. <laughs> she nods very slowly. <laughs> but other than that, it's a really pretty flower and it smells really good. Uh, she gives off a little, like, meek smile, and again, you can kind of see her start to blush a little bit, and she just kind of, like, nods at you again. So, she she continues, and she says, also, I have some stuff I have to research. Like, a lot of stuff. She looks very <laughs> interested. So, I was told, specifically, I have to look up more information about the Feywild, because um, I may have made an agreement with Tatiana in order to save Seven. She looks shocked. <laughs> um, so I have to start there. But also, I'd like your advice or input and want to know if there's anything as far as like animals or anything like that that you think would be really cool to look into uh, before we have to go on our next mis mission. As she gathers herself from the recollection that you've apparently made a deal with one of the lords of the courts of the Feywild... <laughs> she snaps her fingers uh, as if she suddenly has an idea, st uh, stands up from her chair, and at this point, this is one of the only times you've ever actually seen her, like, really stand, and it occurs to you just how fucking big she is. She's, like, almost seven feet tall, and she kind of, like, motions for you to follow her. Okay. As you follow her, you hear something. Hello? Tara? Can you hear me? Yes. Ah, excellent. I finally made this out. Hi, it's uh, me, actually. Uh, Pendleton? I, I mean, your ring. Oh, my ring, rather. But, you know, it's not one. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're the voice in my mind that, that disappeared for a while. 
Well, I, I had to gather my thoughts. You did tell me I was dead. <clears throat> so that was something I had to pass together to deal with. But I've also been watching through the ring slash your mind slash your eyes. Don't worry about it, it's not important. Um, uh... Just a thing I can do now, apparently. Who knew? Uh, but I saw you, actually, while you were fighting that large snake thing with the weird head on it that looked like another snake person. Very interesting. And I have to say, I was impressed. The way you were able to... Analyze the situation and assist your allies really spoke to me. And I think I can help you to hold those skills. As I mentioned before, I am a highly decorated warrior back from my time many, many centuries ago. And of course, as such, I learned how to analyze the battlefield and command my subordinates as was necessary for maximum battlefield advantage. And I believe I can assist you to do the same. If, of course, you would allow me to uh, help, help you, of course, and sort of I can't think of a better way to word this, but it's, it's not as bad as it sounds a leech into your mind. Excuse me? Again, I really can't think of a better word for it. I promise you it's not as bad as it sounds. Is it worse than the hearing? What do you mean? Were you around for that? Oh! When that weird person stuck his fingers in your... Yeah, no, not, not like that. Uh. Basic, basically, I would be sort of... You know, have you ever ridden in a carriage before? What's a carriage? Alright, I just thought I'd read my back on this one. Um, Alright, so carriages are basically large wagons. Do you know what a wagon is? Hmm. Holy God, I forgot about it. Alright, um. <laughs> basically, you would have two minds. I would be sort of telling you what the best thing to do would be is. And you'd be able to act... Uh, it'd be like having a second set of thoughts that's more prominent than just you hearing me. If that makes any sense. Mmm. Hmm. I wouldn't be able to influence your actions. I'd simply be more suggestive, but not able to override you, if that makes sense. At least I think that's how it works. I don't know. I've never done this before. I only recently found out I was dead. <laughs> <laughs> literally the best thing that's ever happened to me. Thank you, thank you. I'm here all week. When Tara gets very serious, have you ever set fire to a forest? Why the hell would I do that? Okay, then you're fine. Excellent! Uh, and this is actually a fun little bonus thing that you get um, that I have done it's based on something else, but I'm officially dubbing it for you. Tactical Insight. Ooh. From now on, when you are in battle, you may either take a bonus action to offer the help action to a creature up to 30 feet away from you, or use a reaction to give a creature up to 30 feet away from you either advantage or disadvantage on an attack roll or saving throw. Neat. But you can only do one per round. Okay. 
So you can't do both. You have to pick one of them. But that is a thing you now have because you are attached to Pendleton. Okay. Or because Pendleton's attached to her. Semantics. At this point, I feel like the next logical person to be involved with this would be... Hmm. Actually, you know what? No. Fuck logic. I'm gonna go with the one that I think is the most cinematically interesting. Safe. It has been the few weeks since you all returned. The investigation that Ryan put out on you has, at this point, turned up at everything you said was true and that you do not have malicious intent, so you are once again permitted to leave headquarters if need be. And as such, you put in a formal request. And you were okayed for it. At this point, said request has already been brought to its natural conclusion. And you are on your way to the distant town of Nightwatch. Where you are off to deliver your most recent bounty to the benefactor whom you made a deal with quite some time ago. You head into a rather unassuming looking building. And are guided by these just these strange creatures that aren't normally seen in day-to-day -day life. Uh, in this particular instance, it is actually a troll that is guiding you. Uh, oddly well-behaved, considering trolls are normally among the most chaotic of beings in existence. But he guides you into a back room that looks like this long, lavish bedroom, almost. But instead of a bed, there is a desk. It's kind of like the gothic version of Ryan's office, if that makes sense. But without all of the decorative taxidermied corpses and quote-unquote accoutrement. Accoutrement. And singing at the desk, you see a wood elf. But you know who this one is. This is the head of the Bounty Hunters Guild. The person that you deliver all of your hits to. And he is no ordinary wood elf. He is a vampire wood elf named Lotion Orthonos. Lotion. It's like it's sort of like Lucian, but there's an A in it where it doesn't need to be. I don't know how to pronounce it correctly, so... Yeah, please send me that spelling for transcription purposes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's L-A-U-C-I-A-N. So if y'all have a better idea on how to pronounce that... Lotion? We'll go with Lotion because it sounds less like Lotion, which is less provocative. And Safe <laughs> would definitely call him Creamy. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a terrible idea to do to a vampire. Oh, no. Don't Super, don't do that. Lotion sees you walk in and is like... Ah, uh, hello, <clears throat> Sorry, uh, something in my throat. It is good to see you again, Seth. It has been far, far too long. Agreed, Lashen. I hope you've been well. Uh, it has been a little boring without your constant company, but... 
I must say, seeing you again does put a smile on my face. I guess that would mean it's contagious. <laughs> I always appreciated your wit. You have the target. As always. You throw a person who has been bound and gagged onto the floor before him, and his smile grows almost to rival your own. Ah, excellent. I can always rely on you. It's your favorite blood type and everything. Oh, you always know how to treat me right. I suppose we should go ahead and conclude our business now. Jasper, and you see a pigeon fly down from the rafters. <laughs> yes, this is that moment. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, God. I'm just realizing what's about to happen. Okay. Bingo, cool. this one's for you. <laughs> we honor our patrons' requests. Um, and a red mist begins to envelop this pigeon. And as the mist fades, you see a familiar sight to you. As the mist fades, you see this strong-bodied person, his body glistening as if freshly oiled, with rippling muscles from neck to toe. He wears tight leather pants and boots, with the upper half fully exposed to show off the aforementioned bulging pectorals. It is all almost too much to take in, but the real icing on the cake, the real cherry on top of Jasper, is the fact that his head is still a pigeon head. (laughs) (laughs) We have given her too much power. You've given her just enough power. I'm so happy this happened. God, she's seriously so, yes. So Jasper, the beautiful pigeon man, walks over to you with a large sack of gold. And Katie, at this point, I need you to roll me a d100. All right, so 62. Okay, uh, the bag contains 6,200 gold pieces. As you receive this, Jasper goes back over to Lotion's side, and he says, By the way, I also have uh, something else for you. A little piece of information that a little birdie told me, he says as he strokes Jasper's chin. Ah, Lotion, you always know how to put a smile on my face. Oh, such a witty sense of humor you have. But I assume that smile of yours will fade, at least on the inside, when you hear what I have to say. Or maybe you'll smile deep from your heart. After all, I have news on that little circus of yours. Her eyes narrow. I thought you might be interested in that. Word has it that they are traveling along the southern edge of Faerun, on their way to the Sword Coast. As of now, we are not yet able to pinpoint their exact location or their next likely targets. However, I imagine within, say, a month or two, we will likely be able to give you a more definitive location as to where you can find them. 
I knew I could count on you. But of course, only for my finest associate. I believe this calls for a celebration. Would you not agree? Of course! He snaps his fingers and looks over to Jasper. And Jasper produces uh, a crossbow of his own. And he says, My little friend here has been working on an interesting new technique. One I think might assist you going forward, especially should you continue to pursue this carnival of sadness or whatever it is. He can aim with the accuracy that even the gods would be envious of. And I will have him teach you this trick. As a sign of our friendship, of course. I am in your debt. Oh, no, no, no. Of course not. Just keep doing the good work that you do. And I am sure you, you will have no such debts to speak of. And here is your fun extra thing that you get from this, outside of just getting an extra little bit of pay. I want you to know, doing this involved going against everything I believe in as a DM. But, I managed to work it out in a way that I think is acceptable, and I will go over this with you later on. But you and you alone can make called shots. Hell oh, yes! Jesus. Again, I will go over that with you later to explain the finer details of it. But that is your fun new thing that you get to do. I am about to fuck so much shit up. Yeah, I'm probably going to regret this decision, but oh well. It'd be great. Hey, you want to know something that's going to um, be even more regrettable? afraid to ask. I've, I've figured out why Jasper is so glistening. It's because he puts the lotion on his skin. You need to stop. Oh, and then, no! And then lotion gets the hose again. Oh, no! Andrew, I've told you this so many times, you can't go into our deep-seated fanfictions on our characters already. They have to save that for the audiences to do that on their own, maybe for the peek behind the screens. We can't just go giving them this sort of lewd, high-intensity act action right off the bat. Yeah, that's Odar's I... job. <laughs> <laughs> I immediately regret that joke. Around the same time that this would be happening... Arlo, you have finally graduated from your workplace sensitivity courses with Alar. He made it, as expected, pretty uncomfortable. But you did ultimately realize that Ryan's whole purpose in doing that was remember where you stand compared to others and maybe take things a little bit slower if you want to do that kind of stuff. Was basically just like the ultimate pretext of it. I don't want to roleplay that whole thing out. That is really dumb. But as of right now, you are currently with Ryan for one of your training sessions. Now, there are two things of note here. One, she seems incredibly out of it. 
like you have sparred with her multiple times for her training sessions and have now even fought her mano a mano, and you know what she is capable of. And she is operating at maybe the lowest you've ever seen her operate. And the other thing of note is that she has still not talked to you about what you did with Ash. Despite having said she was going to. Arlo, roll me an attack roll. With advantage. A 23 to hit. So as you all are sparring, you manage to dodge one of her attacks, get behind her, sweep the leg, and drop her to the ground. Something you have never done before. And while part of you is giddy with this realization, the majority of you also realizes it's because she's just that out of it. Uh, Arlo kind of like clocks this and he's like, alright, that's it. This has been going on for way too long and this this calls for drastic measures, Ryan. I want you to know, you could have come to me and you could have talked this out, but you didn't and so now you're making me do this. And he leans over and he grabs one of the chairs that are in her office. Oh, no! <laughs> You're making me do this, Ryan. I didn't want to do this. You know, I try not to bust this out too often, but I have to. And he pulls the chair in closer. And he turns it backwards. <laughs> <laughs> and he plops himself in the chair. Alo, what in the <laughs> hells are you doing? Backwards chair. It's... It, it, it's my methodology of uh, engaging with you on a more relatable level. So talk to me. Talk to your buddy Arlo. What's bothering you? It could not be failing more spectacularly, let me tell you. Yeah, well, I think it's, it's slightly endearing. <laughs> Do roll me persuasion now, also with advantage. Well, I'm glad that was advantage, because uh, one of those was a 1. But I'm going to go with a 16 instead, and that, uh, with my bonuses, is going to be a 16. <laughs> yeah, that tracks. <laughs> so, she pulls herself up off the ground as you look at her from your backwards chair. And she takes a deep sigh and says, I suppose I did say I would speak with you on this. She resheaths her sword and walks over towards her desk. At this point, She's not facing you, but rather her back is turned towards you completely. And she says, I'm sure that you were fully expecting me to reprimand you for your actions involving Ash. But, truth be told, it would be hypocritical of me to do so. How do you mean? She sort of looks up, not really at anything, just sort of pondering. And she says, It's just occurred to me. I promised we would share war stories, didn't I? Well, here's one I was truthfully hoping to never have to share. Tell me, Arlo. Does the name Darakris Baharush ring any bells to you? Uh, I can't say that uh, it does. 
What about Synthrin Combatool? Yeah, still still nothing. What of Adrex Marixius? Yeah, I'm sorry, Ryan, I really don't know. I don't I don't recognize any of these names. Not surprising, but tragic all the same. A tragedy for which I am to blame. They, among others, were some of the finest soldiers I've ever had the privilege of working alongside. You are familiar with the Second Giant Wars, yes? And this one you are familiar with, Arlo. This is actually a war that spanned several years, but ended before you were born. But not much before you were born, because this is the same war that your mother was made famous in. The giants wanted to get vengeance for their ancestors losing to the ancient dragons of old in the first giants' war. The second one was the lesser giants, ones that you might encounter in your average adventure, against the dragonborn, them trying to seek vengeance. And this is one of the few, if not the only times, that the chromatic and metallic dragonborn ever united under the same banner to defeat a common enemy. So most of what you would know of this war would just be war stories that you heard from your parents about how they managed to unite the clans and fend off the giants. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pretty well familiar with that war. It's uh, pretty important to the, the history of our people, and honestly, um, if that... Uh, Essentially, if that uh, that conflict hadn't brought all the Dragonborn together under one banner, I might not even be here. Yes, I suppose that is true. There was one battle in particular. It was the prelude to the decisive battle of the entire war that brought it all to a close. There were two factions. I believe your mother led the primary one. I was the head of the advanced party. We were to invade the Smoky Mountains that normally divide our people, where the giants had managed to secure a base for themselves. We were to rid a group of cloud giants that were serving as a sort of perimeter for them to allow the main army to swoop in and finish the job. I still remember the speech that I gave before we fled into battle. And at this point, she's been kind of slouched for a lot of this, but she stands upright, as if at attention and preparing to actually speak to a group. But she's still very much facing away from you. Look alive! We are about to dive headfirst into an enemy encampment. They might have the size and the numbers, but we have the element of surprise and the tactical advantage. After our glorious victory, our forces have stormed the giant stronghold, and the Dragonborn will prove to the world 
our superiority over these lumbering buffoons. So, hold your swords firm, your shields steady, and your hearts strong. For I shall lead you into everlasting glory. Her shoulders start to sag heavily. And she turns back towards you and says, Follow me, and I promise you this. And she finally looks at you, dead in the eyes, for the first time since you said what you told her. And her eyes are welled with tears. You shall return home as legends. She immediately turns back away from you and continues speaking. In a sense, I was right. There is a monument in my hometown near the center. Several names inscribed, including the ones that I asked you of earlier. Statues erected in their honor. And it is a grim reminder of how I failed them. How I let my pride, my arrogance, my blind stupidity take hold. And they paid the price for my vanity. That, Arlo, that is why I place so much emphasis on compassion. That is why you and everyone else who leads a team, Raylan, Fryden, Harvin, all of you exemplify the traits that I value most because they are the ones that I lacked. The ones that had I possessed that key moment in my life, there would not be mothers and fathers mourning the loss of sons and daughters gone. Husbands and wives who spend every night lonesome. Children who will never get to see their parents beaming with pride as they grow older and live out their dreams. All because of me. And she bows her head deeply. What do you do? Marlo gets up from his backwards chair and uh, places a hand on her shoulder and says, Look, Ryan, I know what it's like to to carry with you guilt from, from actions that you had to take in the heat of battle. And as much as y- you can tell yourself and as much as anyone can tell you that it's the risk of putting your life on the line to help others nothing ever fully takes that away I can't I can't imagine to to try to fathom how you feel but I can I can relate pretty well I don't um, I don't talk much about the specifics of my my time in the military and that's that's for good reason. There's a there's a reason I'm here working for damned and not 
out there fighting the the fight I fought before. I uh, I can't go back. What what happened? I blame myself for it every day. And my my father he well he he didn't make it in in the battles that came we were we were camped out and i knew i i knew what i should have done we had a choice to make we could have gone through the valley and supported my father's unit or we could have gone over it like we like we were told to like what our orders were and i i I knew I should have gone and backed him up. He, he told me it was fine. He said it would be fine, but I, I knew it wouldn't be. But I I did what I was told. I followed my orders. She puts an arm on your shoulder and says, I understand how difficult this is. I'm not forcing you to give any more than you want. She looks down at your hammer and just through a sort of intuition, can almost kind of just know. And she says, if you ever want to speak on this, I understand. But sometimes, people in our position, people who hold the lives of others in our hands, need to be able to make those difficult choices. I sympathize with your plight in ways that I don't think many others could especially given the current circumstances we face, it is entirely possible that situations like that may arise again. As I said, me asking you not to be prepared to give yourself for your comrades, for those whose lives you hold in your hands, would be nothing short of hypocritical of me. As the day goes by, I don't wish I could give myself for any one of my soldiers. But I know I can't. So instead, I devoted myself to ensuring that everyone comes home safe. And I mean everyone. And she looks you deep in the eyes as she says that. I can't tell you, as one leader to another, not to be prepared to do what you did. But as your leader, I will say that your safety, as much as anyone else's, is my top priority. And as such, I will see to it the next time you run into any threats, be they draconic or otherwise, you will be able to protect your allies and yourself. You owe it to the people who care about you to return home. I assure you, honor means nothing to those who grieve. Arlo looks back at Ryan and he kind of like he actually kind of absentmindedly like grabs her by the hand and says I I can promise that I'll try my best to keep myself safe as as well as my team but if I'm being upfront with you I can't promise you that I'll follow orders or I'll follow instructions if I feel like I need to go a different way to keep people close to me safe Her eyes narrow, not condescendingly, but almost as if it's a 
painful acceptance of a truth she always knew. And she says, I realize. In which case, I need to ensure that you have the best possible chances of survival. And she lets go and walks back towards the wall where her weapons are and grabs her hammer and says, To that end... Ryan, stop. It's hammer time. <sighs> I, gotta, I have to. I, I'm almost required to at this point by law. <laughs> I almost can't believe I'm saying this. But yes, yes it is. It's time I show you how to use this properly. Raise your shield. Uh, I'll raise the shield up. Now, whatever you do, don't stagger. Don't move. And she raises herself, and do not yield. And she barrels towards you, and brings her hammer down hard on your shield. And you can see in the brief instant, just before she makes contact, it's not raw strength that she's using. But rather, she's moving her body in a way to draw out the most from the hammer that she can. And you also see a faint glow in her eyes. And you are familiar with that glow because that is what it looks like when she channels her key. And as she does, you are sent flying back. And land square on your ass. Yeah, like I like stumbles and like falls over and like like tries to he tries to pop back up real quick, but like stumbles a little bit more and then like rides himself. And they're like, all right, all right, we're Mulligan, try it again, Mulligan. <laughs> I, I got it this time. I won't move. <laughs> no need to play tough, Arlo. After all, I plan to teach you to do the same. Now, let's begin. And you actually learn a couple of things from Ryan, not just the hammer trick, but she also teaches you how to be more perceptive of the battlefield around you and how to be able to make decisive calls at a moment's notice. I will go into the hammer thing a little bit later, but for right now, I'm just kind of focusing in on everyone's extra thing that you did not know I was going to do for you. And yours is called Battlefield Awareness. As a bonus action, you can take a dodge action. When you do this, on your next turn, you make an insight check uh, on a single creature with the DC being equal to their challenge rating. If you succeed, you can learn any one of the following bits of information on that creature. Their current and maximum HP. Their AC. Their highest spell slot, if any their highest ability score, and spellcasting modifier, if any. Any damage vulnerabilities, resistances, and immunities, or any condition immunities, if any. That's pretty fucking sweet. That's amazing. Yup, I wanted to give you all some extra stuff to help y'all out on the battlefield. So, you have all had these little extra things, and at this point, it's just an extra... It's just the closing of a night. Quintera, you go back into the room, and no one else is there presently. But, 
you see a note on your bed. Oh? Do you go and read it? Sure. It says, meet me in the archives tonight, alone. Oh! Is it signed by anyone? Nope. Okay? It's Bookworm. <laughs> when Tara and Bookworm are gonna become a thing. Ship it. Everybody ship it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Like, right. what is the handwriting? What does the handwriting look like? It's very elegant penmanship. Very flowery. Okay. What is that, Alar? <laughs> He's a fancy, <laughs> fancy man. Tara, I've always loved you. <laughs> You've broken through oh, the veil goodness. of my homosexuality, and now I see the truth. <laughs> I was bisexual all along. No. <laughs> uh, no. Um, Alright, so, do you act upon this letter? Sure. Let's see where this goes. I'm intrigued. Uh, Alright, you go alone? I mean, it says to come alone, so, yeah. I guess so. Just want to see how much you're honoring it. So, it's late at night... The others are... You guys have all retired to the room at this point. Arlo and Saith have gone to sleep. Wintera, you managed to sneak your way out and make your way down to the archives. And as you're looking around, you see a candle light up. And you, as you look over towards it, you do in fact see Bookworm. She motions for you to come closer to her. Okay, and walk over. Once you get within a certain distance, you feel a breeze blow past you. And as it brushes past your ear, you hear something. A voice you haven't heard in a very, very long time. Words you've only ever heard spoken from your mother. This, what you hear, is druidic. And the words you hear are... Hi. And that is where we shall pause our tale for now. <laughs> I don't see nothing wrong. Hey guys, thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to listen to the end for a little blooper that didn't make it into the episode proper. We're adding those at the end of each episode as a little something to those who listen until the very end. But before that, we have some plugs and promotions. For anyone in the South Charlotte area, check out Just Cheesecakes by Tina Rose on Facebook. They're a local bakery that specializes in, you guessed it, cheesecakes. They do custom orders and delivery, so it's a quick and easy way to satisfy your sweet tooth. We are also partnered with Black Feather Graphics. They've helped us with the show before, designing our logo and official art used on our social media. They've recently started to specialize in apparel, so check them out at blackfeathergraphics.com. Finally, our own Drew McLean is the fitness genius behind Kinetic Concepts. When he's not reciting the holy scriptures of Bahamut, Drew is a personal trainer that customizes your workout to your own needs. He's helped me get in fighting shape and is also helping my brother to prepare for a marathon. To get yourself in shape, just find Kinetic Concepts on Instagram. If you want to support the show, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Agents of Damned, and on Twitter at Agents of D. 
We also have a Patreon at Agents of Damned, where we post episodes a week before their standard release, alongside our after show, Peek Behind the Screen, where we talk about what happened in the episode and what we think will happen next. Until next time, bye! Yo, bitch wants a tattoo. <laughs> Who else wants a tattoo? I want. I want to wait until we get paid for this mission because I want one of the really cool ones. <laughs> oh, that's fair. All right, uh, we can hold off on that one. Um, she hasn't talked to uh, Nell yet, but this this weird sort of like personal insight role I've given myself says pretty good odds he'll probably be hired. Nice. <laughs> Weird thought I have, who knows. Surprise twist, he's not! Um, <laughs> we get back and she's like, yeah, that guy was awful. <laughs> Why do you think weird. I would hire him? What is wrong with you idiots? Honestly, I have some judge of character, Christ. <laughs> I invited him in and he just like, knocked all the stuff off my desk and he was like, Nelk, bitch, and then he backflipped out of, the, like, the entire way out of the room. It was awful. And he wasn't wearing <laughs> pants, so the whole thing was, anyway. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> like uh, backflip so with no pants. Is there anything non-tat related you guys would like to do?